Chapter 7 of The Red Room by August Strindberg Translated by Ellie Schlesner Recording by William Peck This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 The Imitation of Christ On the following morning, Falk was awakened by a maid-servant who brought him a letter. He opened it and read, Timothy, Book 10, Verses 27 28, 29. 1 Corinthians, Book 6, Verses 3, 4, and 5. Dear Brother, the grace and peace of our Lord J.C., the love of the Father, and the fellowship of H.G., etc., Amen. I read last night in the gray bonnet that you are going to edit The Torch of Reconciliation. Meet me in the office tomorrow morning. Your saved brother, Nathaniel Scorey. Now he particularly understood Lundell's riddle. He did not know Scorey, the great champion of the Lord, personally. He knew nothing of the torch of reconciliation, but he was curious and decided to obey the insolent request. At nine o'clock he was in the government street, looking at the imposing four-storied house, the front of which, from cellar to roof, was covered by signboards. Kristen Printing Office, Peace, Limited, Second Floor, Editorial Office, The Inheritance of the Children of God, Half Landing Floor, Publishing Office, The Last Judgment, First Floor, Publishing Office, The Trump of Peace, Second Floor, Editorial Office of the Children's Paper, Feed My Lambs, First Floor, Offices of the Christian Prayer House Society, Limited, The Seat of Mercy, Loans Granted Against First Securities, third floor. Come to Jesus, third floor. Employment found for respectable salesmen who can offer security. Foreign Mission Society Limited. Eagle. Distribution of the profits of the year 1867 in coupons, second floor. Offices of the Christian Mission Steamer, Zululu, second floor. The steamer will leave D period, V period, on the 28th. Goods received against bill of lading and certificate at the shipping offices, close to the landing bridge where the steamer is loading. Needlework Society, Ant Heap, receives gifts, first floor. Clergymen's bands washed and ironed by the porter. Wafers, at one shilling, six pennies a pound, obtainable from the porter. Black dress coats for confirmation candidates let out. Unfermented wine, Matthew, chapter 19, verse 32, at nine and a half pennies per quart. Apply to the porter. Bring your own jug. On the ground floor, to the left of the archway, was a Christian bookshop. Falk stopped for a few moments and read the titles of the books exhibited in the window. It was the usual thing. Indiscreet questions, impudent charges, offensive familiarities, but his attention was mainly attracted to a number of illustrated magazines with large English woodcuts displayed in the window in order to attract the passers-by. More especially, the children's papers had an interesting table of contents, and a young man in the shop could have told anyone who cared to know that old men and women would pass hours before this window, lost in contemplation of the illustrations which appeared to move their pious hearts and awaken memories of their vanished and perhaps wasted youth. He climbed a broad staircase between Pompeian frescoes, 
reminiscent of the path which does not lead to salvation, and came to a large room furnished with desks like a bank, but so far unoccupied by cashiers and bookkeepers. In the center of the room stood a writing-table of the size of an altar, resembling an organ with many stops. There was a complete keyboard with buttons and semaphores, with trumpet-like speaking-tubes, connected with all parts of the building. A big man in riding-boots was standing at the writing-desk. He wore a cassock, fastened with one button at the neck, which gave it a military appearance. The coat was surmounted by a white band and the mask of a sea-captain, for the real face had long ago been mislaid in one of the desks or boxes. The big man was slapping the tops of his boots with his horsewhip, the handle of which was in the form of a symbolical hoof and sedulously smoking and chewing a strong regalia, probably to keep his jaws in trim. Falk looked at the big man in astonishment. This, then, was the last fashion in clergymen, for in men, too, there is a fashion. This was the great promulgator who had succeeded in making it fashionable to be sinful, to thirst for mercy, to be poor and wretched, in fact, to be a worthless specimen of humanity in every possible way. This was the man who had brought salvation in vogue. He had discovered a gospel for smart society. The divine ordinance of grace had become a sport. There were compilations in viciousness in which the prize was given to the sinner. Paper chases were arranged to catch poor souls for the purpose of saving them. But also, let us confess it, battues, for subjects on whom to demonstrate one's conversion in a practical manner by venting on them the most cruel charity. "'Oh, it's you, Mr. Falk,' said the mask. "'Welcome, dear friend. "'Perhaps you would like to see something of my work. "'Pardon me. I hope you are saved. "'Yes, this is the office of the printing works. "'Excuse me a second. "'He stepped up to the organ and pulled out several stops. "'The answer was a long whistle. "'Just have a look around.' "'He put his mouth to one of the trumpets and shouted, "'The seventh trumpet!' and the eighth woe, composition, medieval eight, titles, gothic, names, spaced out. A voice answered through the same trumpet. No more manuscript. The mass sat down at the organ and took a pen and a sheet of fool's cap. The pen raced over the paper while he talked, cigar in mouth. This activity is so extensive that it would soon be beyond my strength and my health would be worse than it is if I did not look after it so well. He jumped up, pulled out another stop, and shouted into another trumpet, Proofs of Have You Paid Your Debt? Then he continued writing and talking. You wonder why I wear riding boots. It's first because I take riding exercises for the sake of my health. A boy appeared with proofs. The mask handed them to Falk. Please read that, he said, speaking through his nose, because his mouth was busy while his eyes shouted to the boy, Wait. Secondly, a movement of the ears plainly conveyed to Falk that he had not lost the thread. Because I am of opinion that a spiritually-minded man should not be conspicuous by his appearance, for this would be spiritual pride and a challenge to the scoffers. A bookkeeper entered. The mask acknowledged his salutation by a wrinkling of his forehead, the only part of his face which was unoccupied. 
for want of something else to do, Falk took the proofs and began to read them. The cigar continued talking. Everybody wears riding boots. I won't be conspicuous by my appearance. I wear riding boots because I'm no humbug. He handed the manuscript to the boy and shouted with his lips, Four sticks, seven trumpet for Nystrom, and then to Falk, I shall be disengaged in five minutes. Will you come with me to the warehouse? And to the bookkeeper, Zululu is charging? Brandy, answered the bookkeeper in a rusty voice. Everything all right? Everything's all right. In God's name, then, come along, Mr. Falk. They entered a room, the walls of which were lined with shelves, filled with piles of books. The mass touched them with his horsewhip and said proudly, I've written those. What do you think of that? Isn't it a lot? You too write a little. If you stick to it, you might write as much. He bit and tore at his cigar and spat out the tiny flakes which filled the air like flies and settled on the backs of the books. His face wore a look of contempt. The Torch of Reconciliation. Hmm. I think it's a stupid name. Don't you rather agree with me? What made you think of it? For the first time, Falk had a chance of getting in a word, for like all great men, the mask answered his own questions. His reply was in the negative, but he got no further. The mask again usurped the conversation. I think it's a very stupid name. And do you really believe that it will draw? I know nothing whatever about the matter. I don't know what you are talking about. You don't know? He took up a paper and pointed to a paragraph. Falk, very much taken aback, read the following advertisement. Notice to subscribers. The Torch of Reconciliation. Magazine for Christian readers about to appear under the editorship of Arvid Falk whose work has been awarded a prize by the Academy of Sciences. The first number will contain God's Creation by Hoken Spiegel, a poem of an admittedly religious and profoundly Christian spirit. Falk had forgotten Spiegel and his agreement. He stood speechless. How large is the edition going to be? What? Two thousand? I suppose. Too small. No good. My last judgment was ten thousand, and yet I didn't make more than, what shall I say, fifteen, net? Fifteen? Thousand, young man. The mask seemed to have forgotten his part, and reverted to old habits. You know, he continued, that I am a popular preacher. I may say that without boasting, for all the world knows it. You know that I am very popular. I can't help that. It is so. I should be a hypocrite if I pretended not to know what all the world knows. Well, I'll give you a helping hand to begin with. Look at this bag here. If I say that it contains letters from persons, ladies, don't upset yourself, I'm a married man, begging for my portrait, I have not said too much. As a matter of fact, it was nothing but an ordinary bag which he touched with his whip. To save them and me a great deal of trouble, and at the same time, for the sake of doing fellow man a kindness, I have decided to permit you to write my biography. Then you can safely issue ten thousand copies of your first number and pocket a clear thousand. 
but my dear pastor he had it on the tip of his tongue to say captain i know nothing at all about this matter never mind never mind the publisher has himself written to me and asked me for my portrait and you are to write my biography to facilitate your work i asked a friend to write down the principal points you have only to write an introduction brief and eloquent a few sticks at the most that's all so much foresight depressed falk he was surprised to find the portrait so unlike the original and the friend's handwriting so much like that of the mask the latter who had given him portrait and manuscript now held out his hand expecting to be thanked my regards to the publisher he had nearly said smith that a slight blush appeared between his whiskers but you don't know my views yet protested falk views have i asked what your views are i never asked anybody about his views god forbid i never once more he touched the backs of his publications with his whip opened the door let the biographer out and returned to his service at the altar falk as usual could not think of a suitable answer until it was too late when he thought of one he was already in the street a cellar window which happened to stand wide open and was not covered with advertisements received biography and portrait into safekeeping then falk went to the nearest newspaper office handed in a protest against the torch of reconciliation and resigned himself to starve End of chapter seven